the Jazz Podcast. Today's guest is Matt Saltzman, son of our first ever guest, Stan Saltzman. But Matt is a beautiful and accomplished saxophone player in his own right. So we're going to talk to him about the saxophone. Like right now, I suppose. Matt Saltzman, welcome to the Jazz Podcast. Hi, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. This is the first in a new series of like, um, I might label this season two because it feels very poignant having okay. you having had Stan as our first guest. Right. right. I remember you coming around. Yeah. But yeah, that's right. That was ages ago now. Yeah. I was still living in that house. Mm, that was a beauty, that place. Yeah. So you've moved. Yeah, I've been in uh, Bethnal Green for about the kind of past month or so, um, and they're selling that house. Actually, that's gonna that's gonna go. Uh, so yeah, I've been. That's the old kind of family house gone, which is yeah, the end of an era when the family house gets sold. A little bit, yeah. I think the whole. I think my parents feel a bit like that, but they've got. Um, have you seen their, their place in Dorking? They've got that lovely place. I have, yeah, in Box Hill. It's a lovely little house. It's really nice. So, um, yeah, I think they're pretty happy with with that move and everything. Sweet. So, tell us who you are for the for our lovely listeners. That yeah, don't okay. Know. Um, well, good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess the most obvious things are I'm a saxophone player um, living in London. Uh, I went to the Royal Academy of Music a few years ago uh, and had a great time. And I've kind of been just playing and teaching around town since then, um, kind of doing whatever comes my way, really. So let's talk about how you first got into playing the saxophone. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I guess I was kind of older than a lot of people, really. So when I was... When I was that kind of age where lots of people are playing instruments as kids, you know, kind of like eight or nine, I think, I was playing the trumpet. Um, and I had lessons with Nick Smart, actually, because he used to teach up the road at school. And Whereabouts was this? That's amazing. That's in Sheen, yeah. I think it was, I think it's Tower House was the school. Right. Which was a few minutes away. And Nick, I think, knew my dad from when he was at the Guildhall. So he used to go and do his teaching day, I guess, and then come in and, uh, yeah, teach me the trumpet. And I wasn't. I wasn't very good, I have to say. I was pretty, pretty lousy, I think. But, uh, <laughs> what? Why do you pick that? What? How do you end up on a trumpet to start with? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I, my kind of my best friend in school played the trumpet. I think we kind of started at the same time. But I'm not sure why it was the trumpet. Really, I guess. I guess I just liked it at the time. Yeah. Um, kind of a cool instrument, isn't it? I think it's but, really cool. I'm really jealous of how small and and yeah. like uh well formed it is right <laughs> um yeah so i played the, the trumpet for a few years and then i think i was about 14 i kind of got fed up with it and uh i think i just asked my dad in one of the summer holidays if i could try he tries alto i think and he kind of wrote out a load of fingerings on a piece of paper <laughs> and what, I, what i liked about it was i could 
at the time I liked that I could play kind of quick, really quickly, you know, like I'd, I could already kind of play faster than I could on the trumpet. Yeah. I guess a bit of a weird reason looking back, but, you know, within a few weeks I could kind of play a few scales and get around a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah, I just kind of never looked back, I guess. I put the trumpet away. Well, that's amazing. That is a really late start. Yeah, to, I suppose so. To um, like 14 years old. Yeah, I mean, I could already, I played a bit of piano as well. So I could already kind of read music and everything, which I think for a lot of kind of when you're starting out, that can be one of the things that takes a while to get yeah. just learn music and make sense of things. Um, and then I was doing quite a lot of music kind of pretty soon after taking up the saxophone. I used to go along to um, a few kind of summer schools that my dad was teaching on. I used to get to go and kind of hang out and get a free ride, basically. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it was really good. I got to do kind of playing and go and sit in little you know play with other people at quite a young age which was nice that's really sick just tagging along and <laughs> seeing what's the deal um so you then do where like when you were younger did you ever have any grand designs on what you wanted to do with your adult life <laughs> yeah not you- really i mean I wasn't really, I wasn't really even that into kind of jazz at all, really, until I guess until I started playing the saxophone. Really, they kind of went together. Yeah. Um, I think I knew, I knew that I really enjoyed playing music. You know, f- kind of from that point where I was starting, I really enjoyed even just the music in school. Yeah. But I hadn't. I guess I just didn't really think about it. And yeah. Because uh, I went to university before the academy, not doing music. Where so did that, you study? In, was it in Durham? Yeah, I went up to Durham and did a psychology degree. Cool. Which was great, actually, and there was kind of lots of playing up there. But, yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought about kind of doing music until I got a place at the academy, which kind of made it seem realistic, I suppose. Yeah. It occurred to me that I might actually actually do it until that point. Um, so what, so what made you even audition? You weren't tempted to use your psychology degree. Yeah, I, th- I guess, I mean, while I was up in, kind of strangely enough, while I was up in Durham, I was kind of doing more playing than ever. There were a few people who I kind of hung around with and there was like a nice jam session on a Sunday night and the the uni big band that I got to run for a year. So I kind of ended up doing more and more music. Um, That's cool that you got to, how do you run yeah. a university big band? Do, do you was, like picking all the charts? Or? Yeah, charts, I think I brought in, I just kind of arranged something, it was pretty... It wasn't very good, I think, looking back, but <laughs> it was a good opportunity to, to write something and get it played. Mm, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Like running all the charts, so, which was really nice because you get to pick, obviously, the repertoire you want to play. So I got I got some of Kenny's charts in. I th- did a couple of my dad's kind of easier charts and, yeah, just kind of picked the music I liked. Um, yeah. And running like running the rehearsal was really good as an experience, you know, because that, that was quite... I guess uncomfortable at first, you know, you're like standing in front of everyone and yeah, but to kind of be in charge and assert your opinion and that kind of stuff. So it was good to, to do that like for a whole year every week. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, there were lots of good things going on there. And so why did you audition at Academy after the psychology degree? Just to yeah, give it uh, a shot. 
I, yeah, I guess so. I went, I went for the three. I went for Trinity Guildhall and Academy just to see. Yeah, I guess just to see if anything kind of came back. I, I definitely really wanted to get a place somewhere. You know, it was, yeah. I think I think probably if I didn't get a place, I'd have I'd have had another go in a year. You know, I was yeah fairly keen. Um, yeah, just I was just really enjoying playing, and I kind of felt like even if I'm not going to do it professionally, I'd just really enjoy to. I'd really enjoy like being in music college for a while and just getting better as a player and kind of hanging out with musicians and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I was I was pretty kind of pleasantly surprised when I got an offer. So that was a nice um, that was a nice surprise, I guess. Yeah, that's like you say. At that point, then you're kind of like, oh, maybe this can this can be it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my psychology degree kind of suffered as a result a little bit, but. I did get my degree, so yeah. But I was, yeah. When I when I got that offer, I was really kind of like tunnel visioned, you know, practicing and yeah, looking forward to it more than anything else. Yeah. So, when you left academy, what happens when you're like yeah. spat out well, into the world? <laughs> not very much happened for the <laughs> the first little bit. I I was teaching. I guess I kind of just tried to get some money coming in and the obvious way that kind of what seemed obvious to me was to, to get some teaching and even that was kind of fairly slow so yeah. for a while like I had this this guy I taught once a week and then after a few months it became once every other week with the same guy so I was kind of doing yeah really not very much but it yeah it kind of slowly picked up and I was doing yeah lots of teaching and trying to like keep playing with people as well just um like staying in contact with the guys I like playing with from college and yeah, yeah, trying to trying to I guess kind of trying to simulate some of that amount of playing and to keep on improving. Um, but it def- it, there were definitely a few kind of pretty weird empty months where I wasn't doing much. It was kind of a relief, I guess, not to be in college as well and just to have some like space and time to kind of chill out a little bit. Yeah, cycle and all of that stuff. But, um, yeah. So you moved to like Northeast London. Yeah. Is that entirely like, because the vortex is there? Cause I would uh, love to live by, I used to live in Tottenham and it was great to like, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's as it happens where I am, it's just like really good for kind of, most of the regular work I have, but I have, I've been to the vortex since moving and I, I can walk it in about kind of 40, 50 minutes, which is really nice. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Before in the it, summer, that's like, going to be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I quite like walking at the moment. So I kind of, cause I, I'm kind of used to going to the vortex on like a hour and a bit train. So yeah, a little, a shorter walk doesn't really feel like a, a chore or anything. But, um, yeah, I'm really near like the schools I'm teaching in at the moment, and and just kind of a lot of my friends are more out here and and that kind of stuff. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it made sense to get to get out of Southwest at least. Yeah, because I still live in Southwest London, and it's a funny little area because there's not that many musicians around. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. It was really nice where I was. I was, as you know, I was right next to Richmond Park and very kind of nice like neighborhood but there's nothing really open late and yeah as you say not many musicians around or just kind of not much 
to do, really. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Be kind of not lifeless, but just yeah, a bit kind of sleepy feeling. Yeah, um, totally. But it was very yeah, it was very nice. Though. I mean, I was very happy in Southwest. Yeah. Uh, but I was doing a lot of just a lot of commuting around town and spending quite a lot of money commuting, I suppose, because I was going. Oh, it's so expensive. Yeah. From, <laughs> from out. Um, and like one of the schools I teach in is in Brentwood, all the way up. Yeah. So that was, it took me almost a couple of hours to get there or something like that. Yeah. 90 minutes, a bit more. Oh, man. Yeah. So I'm quite, quite happy to be a bit nearer. So let's talk about your quintet. Mm. Tell us about it. Yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of, I suppose it's where I get to play my own tunes. I really like writing. Um, I kind of, I play a lot of piano, so I guess I get a lot of ideas from that. And, yeah. Um, the guys in the band are just, they're all guys from the academy, actually, who I just really like playing with, and they're nice guys who are kind of, you know, good to hang out with as well. Um, yeah. So I've got, maybe I should run through them. Oh, yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah, I've got um, Will Berry on piano. Mm-hmm. Billy Marrow's on guitar. Uh, Flo Moore on bass and Dave Story on drums. Wonderful. Yes, yeah, it's, it's nice. We haven't, like you say, just playing with your friends. That's kind of the the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're definitely all people who I really enjoy hanging out with. Dave was in my year at academy, so we got to play together a lot. Um, right. And yeah, I've been playing with Will quite a lot for a while. I guess I kind of, I kind of, we do a lot of like not a lot, but we do some kind of duo functions and stuff. So we get a lot of time just hanging out and kind of even just playing playing tunes together and those kind of things. Um, yeah, we had a couple of nice gigs last year at the Green Oak and the Vortex, which were um, were great. They were kind of my first first kind of like outings as a band leader in kind of oh, amazing proper you know London venues that kind of thing. So I was I was quite nervous, but they were they were very enjoyable. You know, I think they went well. So yeah, yeah, it was a good good couple of gigs. So do you tend to always like write your tunes at the piano and then, you know, yeah, blow it up for a band, take it in? Yeah, I'm not sure why, really. I guess, I mean, I spend something about playing the piano that I quite like. I suppose it's just that, you know, with the saxophone, you've got to kind of assemble it and <laughs> it, you know, maybe it doesn't feel that good on on that day or whatever. Yeah. I was just kind of sitting there, and it always it kind of always feels the same. It's quite familiar, and yeah, I guess I tend to write. I tend to kind of start with with chords, I guess. So I, I suppose in that sense, it makes sense to come from the piano. Yeah, the the music that I write at the moment, at least, is quite kind of harmony driven. I suppose. Yeah, so I guess that makes sense as well. Um, I did. I've, I've kind of tried to write from the saxophone before, but I don't know. Nothing comes out really, so <laughs> it's not for lack yeah. of try. Kind of, I haven't. I haven't had a tune that I wanted to go out and play that came came about that way. Right. I talked um, to Chris Potter once about his practice um, when he was he came to the Northern, the Royal Northern, for a few days, and um, and yeah, he he said that he does all his practice at the piano. And would only play his saxophone at, right. at like the start, you know, two hours. He plays tenor at the start and at the end yeah. of his practice. 
but all of the work is done on piano. You it's know. weird. He's got such good. I mean, he's got like amazing saxophone chops, doesn't he? So yeah, yeah. But like you say, he's kind of like there's a way of seeing harmony on a piano that just doesn't yeah. quite appear the same on a sax. Well, the other the other thing is, if you're writing a melody, of course, you can put the you know you can put the harmony under it, which is kind of quite helpful, I think. Yeah. Um, you get like a bigger picture of what it might sound like rather than just playing a melody. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be interesting because it probably does dictate the way the music comes out. So I think I keep trying, trying both ways. And in your quintet, you play soprano only. Yeah, so far. Um, it's kind of just the instrument that I enjoy playing the most, really. Yeah. Um, so I started out on alto like most people do. And then I think a couple of years into playing, it was Christmas and, and my parents said I can get a soprano or a tenor. And for whatever reason, I picked a soprano and kind of, I don't know. I just, I guess I like, I like that register. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I guess that's where I hear kind of melodies maybe. Yeah. I also, there's also, I just find the soprano kind of easier to, to play in some ways than the other two. I find the tenor really difficult um, and the alto is kind of somewhere in the middle. That's really interesting because I feel exactly the same. My tenor is a labour of epic amounts of love, right. but it's really hard. Everything on it just doesn't come naturally yeah. to me. It's a fucking pain in the ass that thing. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel. Yeah, it would be nice if it was um, a bit easier. But yeah. <laughs> Someone should make it easier, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it? Yeah, I haven't really, I haven't really touched a tenor in about a year or something. I've, I've got one, but I kind of, I'm trying to work on my alto as a, it's a bit more like employable than a soprano, I think. So, trying to kind of work on that a bit. But yeah, I, I um. Would you prefer to be an alto player, or because you know, for me, the dream of being known only as a so- soprano player is a thing of beauty. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's not necessarily that I would prefer to be an alto player. It's just. Just I think for certain kind of work and just thinking about being making a living, you know, it'd, yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to like to feel really good on one of the other ones because the soprano's kind of. I'm I'm happy playing it in my band, but often, um, I mean, you can't play a soprano at a wedding. I think is I guess it's the kind of. Mm, I agree. I've played mine once at a wedding. Yeah, it was such a novelty. But... Yeah, I, mean, I occasionally take it out and see what i can get away with exactly but. i you, but, but you have to take something else yeah definitely. <laughs> well, people don't know what it is a lot of the time you know they're, they're expecting a saxophone and you bring out kind of something that looks a bit like a clarinet but but metal and people are quite confused i think yeah um yeah i mean i guess confused I'd, I'd and happy, angry yeah i'd be happy to sound great <laughs> on any of the instruments you know um it's not. It's, yeah, it's not necessarily that I'm specifically trying to be a kind of. I want a career as a an original voice on the soprano or anything. Okay, that's interesting because that's exactly what I want, and I really love that you only play the soprano because it's yeah, it's pretty simple, like to understand, you know. Yeah. Um. That that's how you present yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean. I don't, yeah, I don't really know the answer. A few people have kind of asked me that. I never really know what to say. It's just the kind of the horn that I like playing. <laughs> it's, it's like the most basic answer, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Does it bother you that the alto is in a different key and therefore you have to relearn all the standards uh, you know? 
Well, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, I think, isn't it? Because, yeah, as you say, you've got to kind of relearn the tunes, but then that's quite that's quite good in itself, isn't it? Just having to, you know, to put tunes in a few different keys and, um, and like, do that work is good. Yeah, absolutely. Also, a lot of alto players I love and a lot of tenor players I love, so, you know, it feels... It's kind of nice to just have to change yeah. between the instruments. I mean, this, the soprano, I guess... Very occasionally, I do feel like it's a little bit of a weird instrument for certain settings, you know. So, yeah, it's, it can be nice to just to play play one of the other instruments just for the sake of a change of pace or or that kind of thing. So, speaking of those, well, we didn't mention any names, but who is it who you're like super influenced by, you know, musically? Um. Well, the obvious one is my dad, whose music I absolutely love um, and kind of obviously grew up hearing. Yeah. I used to go and, I used to go and hear him before, before I really kind of knew what was going on particularly. Or, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like super into jazz till I was kind of 15, 16 even. So yeah. I've been going out to like hear him since I was probably nine or 10 and, and younger, I guess. Yeah. Um. I kind of didn't, I'm not really sure if I enjoyed it at that stage, but I, I suppose I took it in. I kind of didn't know what was going on, I guess. It's quite a weird, weird kind of style of music for a, for a kid. Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of hope that's quite, I kind of feel like that, mm. you know, took a long time. I feel yeah. really bad looking back when my, my teacher was trying to get me into Miles Davis and I was listening to like Limp Biscuit and Lincoln yeah, Park. Right. He must have wanted to disown me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess probably not that many kind of kids are super into jazz, are they? But I used to go along to to the Bull's Head because we live really near, and he used to play at the Bull a lot. And uh, yeah. I kind of hear that. And yeah, I'm not sure what I made of it looking back, but um, yeah. So I, I grew up with that music, obviously. And um, it's really interesting that you are so like that you're able to be objective about it. You know that you've grown up yeah. with it, but you can still be aware of how much you enjoy and and love yeah. that music I, I absolutely love his music now i mean it's it's got to be my biggest kind of influence i think but yeah, yeah at the time it was just like i guess it was a bit weird you know going to see my dad do these gigs and it's kind of strange obviously none of my friends were into jazz at all and i didn't really have any sense that he was you know like where his standing was in the kind of jazz yeah. scene that um yeah, so that so that music, and then here the album here to there, the neon album was kind of one of the first like really modern jazz albums I got really into. Who's on that album? Is that like a Kit Downs? Yeah, that, no, that's Gwillem and Jim Hart. Oh, cool. Rio, yeah, it's really nice. Um, yeah, so him, and then I guess because I was kind of going out to see gigs with him, I heard a lot of English kind of jazz, which I yeah. suppose is different to what a lot of people grew up with maybe i kind of realized at, at college that a lot of people have been checking out loads of american music that i didn't really know necessarily but i knew a lot of kind of english oh that's really interesting because oh. i always assume that the academy really like players that that kind of are rooted in our own heritage yeah you know? i think i guess there's i think there was a sense of that but Maybe I was just more kind of ex- extreme in that sense or something. Because, you know, there was a lot of, like, New York music and 
kind of traditional music that I hadn't really heard at all. Um, but I just heard loads of kind of English English bands. Um, yeah. And I'd heard a lot of them live, obviously, because I used to kind of get to go along to stuff and and um, and check them out. So yeah, we were talking about other other players I liked when I was growing up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess Cannon, Cannibal Adley was a big one. Yeah. Um, you know that album, Cannibal's Bossa Nova? No, I don't know that. To that, I, I still am, actually, yeah. It's with, um, I think there's the Bossa Rio Sextet. Right. Cannibal's kind of really happy on it. You know, he's got that kind of really nice big sound, and it's, like, really joyous. Yeah. So that album I listened, you know, listened to over and over again. Uh, Bill Evans as well. I was really into Bill Evans and kind of still am the piano, piano Bill Evans. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. Did you ever hear the Cannonball album? I uh, know I'm sure you did. Cause it's not exactly off the beaten track, but the, the mercy, mercy, mercy live at the club. Yeah. Um, the first track's fun. Second track games. Right. Um, uh, and it's so lively, you know, it just, just sounds like they're like orbiting the earth it's ridiculous um i think he's a great player to kind of get into it from i guess that's why a lot of people like him as a kind of early influence because yeah he he just sounds so um yeah so joyful yeah that's true actually really accessible way in because when i was younger you know other people would say to me oh you know you've got to check out charlie parker and i was kind of like but i don't understand what's what's even going on here I remember I, I had the um, we had the on the book lying around, so I used to kind of play those transcriptions kind of quite slowly, you know, yeah. get, getting the instrument together. But um, yeah, I'm not sure I've, I'm not sure I really kind of got that music at that point in time, but I kind of played through them. But yeah, there's a, it's definitely a different kind of sound, isn't it? It's um, I guess it's a bit harder to get into, maybe, or it was for me. Yeah. The bird thing. I don't know about you, but I've gone backwards. I kind of started out listening to, you know, Michael Brecker and yeah, right. Then, uh, then it was like backwards to Cannonball, and then backwards to Lester Young, and I think kind of so. <laughs> reverse order. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that kind of makes sense. Maybe in a funny way. Maybe it doesn't make sense. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. I, yeah, I would agree. I think I've done the same kind of thing. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of the like. The kind of the guys who are right now, like Mark Lockhart and Julian Arguiles, Nicky Isles. Yeah. You know, like the people who are really making music at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, I suppose I did kind of work back from, um, from now. So what other, what other projects are you involved in? Uh, well, the big one this year, hopefully, is my dad's big band project. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah, there's a, there, what are you organising? Tell us so about it. We're we're organising hopefully a tour for his seventieth birthday. Um, oh wow, that's sick! Yeah. I didn't realise it was for like a seventieth birthday thing. That's amazing. Kind of traditionally done that. I think he did his he did his sixty fifth birthday was a big band tour, and I think his sixtieth, and then right. the album birthdays was his fiftieth, maybe. Yeah, there's kind of a bit of tradition of that. Yeah, so we're we're trying to get some trying to get kind of funding to tour in November and we've got a few gigs already. Um, How is it trying to get funding? Uh, who would be funding it? Like Arts Council UK? Yeah, Arts Council, yeah. So kind of fortunately for me, we've got um, 
Elaine Crouch has come on board to help us with that side of things because I kind of don't know what I'm doing really with funding. And it's quite a big project to kind well, of. Well, it seems like it's a it's a whole like what's the word? A profession in its own right, yeah, like managing how to create a fund raising uh you know to present the band in a way that the arts council are going to be like oh yes we need this so it's been it's been really good having elaine on board because she knows exactly what she's doing with that and i really don't you know so um, does she do that for a living then like exclusively um that's a good question i don't actually know but i know she's i know she's done it before right Uh, she you know she's got lots of experience with it but i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure if she does it exclusively right um i don't know yeah and then what would the tour be if that all comes through yeah so we've got uh we have already we've got a gig at the watermill uh in dorking yeah and jazz festival one fingers crossed which jazz uh, festival the london one. Oh, great which would, yeah which would be great obviously yeah uh, we're hoping to go up to Birmingham and we've got Scarborough Jazz Fest. Uh, we've got one in Sheffield and then hopefully a couple more. Um, oh, that'd be amazing. It'd be really nice. It'd be the first kind of tour I've been on. And um, I think it'd just be a really nice thing to do, you know, to to kind of get the music out. And if we get funding, obviously we can afford to probably rehearse the band a little bit, which would be nice. What a novelty. <laughs> yeah. Never since I've, been doing it it's never been rehearsed really it's been like a little blow through before the gig or that kind of thing yeah um, i think because stan writes all the music he kind of writes with that in mind so if he knew there was some funding coming i'd imagine he might write something a bit more you know, i he like might... it he could write quavers you mean yeah exactly he's got kind of more <laughs> a broad, um, spectrum he can go for yeah yeah it'd be really um really nice i think um, we'll definitely be doing something whether we get funding or not but um it'd be great if we do get funding you know we can go the whole the whole hog with it um so that's yeah that's the big thing this year and um i play in a guy called dom ingham's band who's a violin player who's i think he's still at guildhall um yeah, cool and that's a really nice uh sextet i think with johnny mansfield and vibraphone um and piano based drums and it's all like all Dom's music which is which is cool it's um he kind of writes in a way he writes the kind of music that I don't get to really play otherwise which is quite good for me because I find it quite difficult but I really like the music what kind of thing is it he's really into um who's that the European sax player Marius Nessa oh yeah he's really into to his kind of playing and writing so there's a there's a few kind of um tricky like rhythmic things and it's quite through composed I, I think i tend to write kind of heads and then you know lots and lots of blowing and then a head out you know yeah. those kind of forms. whereas dom writes yeah quite kind of more composed oh um, nice so it's just yeah it's just a kind of different thing and it's um I have to play a lot of unison with like violin and vibraphone, so I get my tuning kind of. That's good. That's good for us. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> get, get pushed in that sense. But it's yeah, it's really nice music, and um, again, they're like a great bunch of of guys, so I enjoy hanging out with them. Uh, yeah, and I hope hopefully we'll have some gigs this year. I don't know, I don't know what's coming up, but I'll be I'll be looking forward to anything that does. Yeah. Have you got any plans for your own project? I know you've already got 
the the neon orchestra tour to deal with mm. um and my brain yeah. will only process one problem at a time yeah that's kind of where i've where i've been with that i mean i yeah i'd love to do more gigs with my band and we've got these videos done from the from the green notes so i kind of got them to send around but um, oh cool are they online anywhere yeah they're on youtube yeah how would you find them if you were a keen listener hoping to... I hope they would come up if you just put my name in. Oh, nice. I might test it right now and see what happens. So how did you get these videos done? Did you... Did yeah, someone... I, like, how does this even begin? The... Uh, I think he's still doing the sound there, but the guy who was doing the sound at the Green Note, Victor, um, I know he'd done, he'd done a video for Alex Hitchcock at the Green Note as well, and I, I guess I just kind of thought, oh, that was quite a good idea from Alex, you know, to yeah. this... And I, yeah, I contacted Victor and he was really helpful. Um, and he's like, they're doing the sound anyway. So it kind of made sense for him to do, do that. And then his, he had a friend who came in and did the filming. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I was, I have to say it was really scary. You know? I mean, you could pay like thousands of pounds for this. Yeah. No, yeah. We managed to, to do it, uh, to do it a lot cheaper. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was good. It's, I'm glad I've got it. And it's quite nice to have just a little, just have a like a recording of a of a gig that I enjoyed is quite nice. Yeah, totally. You know, and yeah, some of it it's quite weird listening back to yourself, but some of that some of that gig I quite um like how I sound on, which is nice, you know, to be able to kind of enjoy a bit of my own playing. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, that was a really good um good thing to get done, I think. But I do need to send it around and, and try and uh Drum up some some interest with it. Oh, it's so hard, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just fills me with horror. The thought of it, you know, just like I don't know. I'm terrible at that stuff. Right. Just, uh, I mean, who do you send it to? Where do you even start? Yeah, whether well, that's, I suppose that's the problem. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to take it out of London. I think it's quite hard to to do, really, because um, I don't know if you just have like a kind of odd gig out of town, and I don't drive, so I kind of kind of got to ask the guys in the band to drive, and there's five of us, and then there might not be much money at the at the other end or anything. So yeah, yeah, it's it's hard, but I think I need to. I'll have a good crack at it once the kind of bulk of this big band. I think the big band thing will kind of be. It should be fairly organised soon, so I'll be freed up a little bit amazing it's also it's also hard to just to kind of push yourself to a venue i think or i find it hard anyway yeah you have um, attempted to make an album with the band yeah i would i would like to do that yeah um i think partly the reason i haven't is just i guess feeling like i want to keep um i guess i always just feel like i want to practice more and get more together but at some point obviously you've got to um to draw the line and just do it yeah well there's no rush you know it's kind of nice to to have something perfectly formed that yeah i think know. it would be i think it'd be nice to have a few more gigs first certainly i mean what, what i'd really like yeah. to do is just a few gigs and then maybe record after that so that everyone's kind of comfortable and yeah feels a little bit more bedded in maybe yeah, i'd like that's... to write music as well maybe uh, before recording i think yeah uh, a lot of the music we're playing I kind of wrote a while ago and I still kind of like those tunes but I guess I just feel like what I'd write now might be different so it'd be interesting to see 
Yeah, I find that when I look back, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I, I'm. All, I'm usually like surprised. Yeah, that it was that it was good. Like, <laughs> or at yeah. least you know. Now I'm like, of, I'd never be smart enough to do that. Right. Some of the music we're playing still, I wrote in. There's a few tunes I wrote at Academy that I still really like, and I, I enjoyed playing them. Sometimes I just wonder more if the band's getting sick of them than whether I am. You know. Yeah. And I, and I guess it's also just good for everyone to be playing just to chuck different music in and yeah, just try things out. Um, but yeah, I, I feel really happy with the kind of group of players I've got and everything. So definitely I'd like to, to record something with them at some point. Um, yeah. That'd be really cool. Bite the bullet, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's been a pleasure. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Uh, oh yeah, for hobbies. Let's talk about non non music related questions. Um, do you have any hobbies other than playing the saxophone? Well, I feel like it's really boring to say, but I'm not sure I do really. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I quite like kind of, I quite like just switching off. Mm-hmm. You know. Like, I think um, one of the nice things about moving, because the guy I'm living with now is not a musician. He works at the Bank of England. Um, one of the things that's quite nice about that is, like, he's out all day working and I'm kind of in music mode, so I'll be teaching or whatever or practicing and just do, you know, doing all this kind of music stuff. And when he comes back, it's quite nice. We can just hang out and I don't need to kind of occupy myself or, or like, worry about music or any of that kind of stuff. Um but yeah, hobbies. I'm not. Well, let me phrase it differently. What What do you do to switch your brain off? Yeah. Okay. Um, recently, we've been watching the box set of Twenty Four, which my housemate brought in. Oh uh, yeah, sweet. I, I'm I'm quite a kind of binge watching person, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I call it walking at the moment. I go go walking a lot. I mean, it's not the most thrilling answer. I suppose, <laughs> but um, don't know. Yeah. I'm, what are the best series is that you've binge watched? Um, Did you ever see House? I absolutely loved, I loved that show. I really liked House. I haven't That's seen it in a while now. No. Yeah, Madness. I, I can't really think now. I'm drawing blanks. Kind of, kind of just lots. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes they're not even necessarily that great. It's just a kind of <laughs> like an occupier, you know. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, just, something bad is great, though. Switching your brain. Yeah. Off. I mean, I know it's not a kind of non-music hobby, but I quite enjoy just messing around at the piano, just not not like really practicing or anything. Just kind yeah. of, I find that really cathartic. I think. Yeah. Not, not like worried about the saxophone feeling weird or or anything like that. It's kind of yeah, really enjoyable. Um, yeah, I don't know really. Kind of you know regular regular people stuff. <laughs> yeah. Normal person things. Uh, yeah, what regular people do. Uh, there's quite a lot of nice food around Bethlehem Green, so I've been eating kind of lots of nice, nice grub since moving. Which has oh, been good. amazing! Yeah, um, but no, I don't have any kind of weird, quirky hobbies or anything that I could talk about. <laughs> no, I enjoyed that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Jazz thank Podcast. Cheers, Rob been a pleasure and we'll look out for the neon orchestra tour because um yeah yeah with any luck um um, 
that'll come roaring along and we can all celebrate Stan's 70 glorious years. Yeah. Sweet. Great. All right. Thanks, Rob. Awesome. Take care, buddy. We'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Yeah. Sick. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.